Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Praise the Lord, everybody. It's good to be back in Hatchbend. How many remember us coming last time? All right, and you came back. That's awesome. That's awesome. We're off to a good start then. That's all right. Usually, you know, they don't show up. You know, they saw us one time. No, no I'm kidding. But uh, thank you, Brother Boyd and Sister Boyd. It has been so great getting to know these awesome people. They are well-respected in our district, which is evident by his being elected our district superintendent. And um, he is, I'm learning more and more each day with working with him and Sister Boyd, that what you see is what you get. I mean, they are genuine people. They have the heart of gold. And I am so, it's my honor to, to work with, with him. It's, it's just been a dream come true. Every now and then I think, you know, it, it is a dream. So I'm thinking, man, I hope this doesn't end, you know, because it's just been so cool. And uh, I never would have imagined. I told Brother Boyd we were pulling up to these um, sectional meetings. I said, I never thought I would be riding with the district superintendent to, to go to these sectional meetings. It was just a cool feeling, really nice. So uh, it, it's really, truly my honor. So it's neat. And our friends, Justin and Sarah, we, it's always good to see them as well. And um, it's good to have my wife here with me. And Brother Boyd stole my opening. I was going to say, if things go wrong, I was just going to have her stand up. And so we were in the, in the spirit, I guess, you know. But again, it is good to be back in Hatchbin. And we're excited to be here. We're excited to fellowship with you afterwards. And I, do, I do feel like I have a, a word for, from the Lord for you today. And um, I was studying on Friday. Uh, and, I, you know, a lot of people say this, but it is true. I was studying a different message, and then I changed my mind. So I just felt like the Lord led me in a different direction. So I pray today that it's a blessing to you. If you would open with me to the Old Testament, the book of Second Kings chapter 4, starting with verse number 12. Second Kings chapter 4, verse number 12. If you are there, say amen. And he, this is speaking of the prophet Elisha, said to Gehazi, his servant, call this Shunammite. And when he had called her, she stood before him. And he said unto him, say now unto her, behold, thou hast been careful for us with all this care. What is to be done for thee? Wouldest thou be spoken for the king or to the captain of the host? And she answered, I dwell among mine own people. In other words, she said, I live with my family. They take care of me. I have everything that I need. And he said, what then is to be done for her? And Gehazi answered, verily, she hath no child and her husband is old. And he said, call her. And when he had called her, she stood in the door. And he said, about this season, according to the time of life, thou shalt embrace a son. 
And she said, Nay, my Lord, thou man of God, do not lie unto thine handmaid. And the woman conceived and bare a son at that season that Elisha had said unto her according to the time of life. And when the child was grown, it fell on a day that he went out to his father, to the reapers. And he said unto his father, my head, my head. And he said to the lad, carry him to his mother. And when he had taken him, he brought him to his mother. He sat on her knees till noon and then died. And she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God and shut the door upon him and went out. And she called unto her husband and said, Send me, I pray thee, one of the young men and one of the asses, that I may run to the man of God and come again. And he said, Wherefore wilt thou go to him today? It is neither new moon nor Sabbath. And she said, this powerful statement, It shall be well. It shall be well. By the help of the Lord, I want to speak to us on this thought today. It shall be well. Would you just lift your hands with me and let's welcome the presence of the Lord here today. Jesus, we thank you for what we feel in this place. We thank you for the songs that have been sung and the worship and praise that has gone up before you. We ask right now that you would anoint your word, that you would anoint it, that it would touch every heart, that it would encourage every hearer of the word. Raise our encouragement today, God. Do miracles, signs, and wonders. Do special things in this place. We'll give you the praise and glory in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Let's just give God a hand clap of praise. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God bless you. You can be seated. We live in uncertain times. I believe more so in this day than any other day. I'm a young man, but I've never seen a time like we live. You don't know what tomorrow holds. We don't, we, there's so much uncertainty, whether it's employment, health. Um, you know, health alone is, is scary enough these days, but, but we live in uncertain times. But I, leave, I believe today that there is power in hope. Somebody say hope. There's power in hope. And God wants to bring hope to this service today, some hearts that are maybe troubled. Hope is a powerful thing. The late Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was quoted as saying, we must accept finite disappointment, but never lose infinite hope. Disappointments can and will occur, but hope should always remain. Hope can be defined as this, the desire for something combined with an anticipation of it happening. Hope is the anticipation of something desired, To hope for something is to desire that particular thing and to believe rightly or wrongly that the probability of it happening, though less than one, is greater than nothing coming to pass at all. Speaking of hope and specifically the hope of the glory yet to come, the Bible says in Romans 8, 24 and 25, for we are saved by hope. We are saved by hope. But the hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it? We're living a time in a time where people, more than anything, need just a little bit of hope. 
There's strife, there's turmoil, there's chaos in our world like we've never seen. And while we may not see it, while it may not be tangible at the moment, the Lord desires to restore some hope in the service today. We may be in the middle of our own personal storm, staring at promises once full of life that are now seemingly dead and we feel forgotten. But the Lord intends to resurrect some things hoped for in your life today. And so I begin by making, again, this declaration in faith. We may not see it right now. You may not understand it in your moment, but it shall be well. Everything is going to be okay. Would you look at your neighbor and say, it shall be well. In 2 Kings chapter 4, we read of a woman who dwelt at a place called Shunem. And we're never given a proper name for this woman. So she's become known as the Shunammite woman. She became known for the community where she lived. This was, however, more than just your ordinary woman. The Bible describes her as great, meaning she was of great wealth and importance. She could walk down the sidewalk and everybody knew who she was. She could go to the corner market, walk in, and no doubt, the gentleman behind the counter knew who she was. When she went in to get her morning coffee, they already had it made for her because they knew who she was. She was probably a a member of certain committees in the community. She may have been on the school board. She was, again, well-known in her community, and she was well-to-do. Everybody knew her house when they passed by. They would pass by. They may wave. She'd wave back. There's the Shunammite woman. She was well-to-do. She was favored in her community. She was undoubtedly known by those around her and very popular, very well-to-do. But it happened on a day that the prophet Elisha passed through Shunem during his ministry and on his journey with his servant Gehazi. And he passed by the home of this well-to-do Shunammite woman. And as she was watching, as she was looking to the streets maybe sitting out on her front porch for her her morning breakfast, her morning coffee, maybe in the evening after dinner. She saw this prophet pass by, and she felt something about him and his servant. There was something deep in her spirit. And uh, the woman and her husband then began a conversation with Elisha. They began to speak with him. They they stopped him on his way and introduced themselves and, and got to know him just a little bit. And eventually, the relationship got comfortable enough where this Shunammite woman invited the prophet in for dinner. And they would sit around the dinner table, and they would discuss, and they would talk. And they would have a good time of of fellowship, and they would get to know him, and he was getting to know the Shunammite woman and her husband. And, And the relationship began to grow and begin to blossom. And it began to blossom so much that she decided to that her and her husband need to, needed to take this relationship with Elisha to the next level. She understood exactly who this man was. She, she was not blind to the fact that he was a man of God, a prophet. Second Kings 4, 9 through 11, she speaks to her husband and says, Behold now, I perceive that this is an holy man of God, which passeth by us continually. She had a keen spiritual perception of who this man was. So she had an idea. She said, let us make a little chamber, I pray thee, on the wall. 
and let us set for him there a bed and a table and a stool and a candlestick. And it shall be when he cometh to us that he shall turn in thither. So she was interested here with the permission of her husband of taking some extra space they had in the home and, and making a little apartment, if you will, for the prophet Elisha. She sought to do more for the prophet than simply offer a quick meal. So with her husband's approval, they made a room for Elisha to stay in on his frequent travels through the area. So they, they put a nice bed in there. They put a, you know, maybe a side table, uh, put a little gift basket every time he would come in and make him comfortable because they were not satisfied with just a surface relationship. But they, they wanted something deeper with this prophet, with this man of God. They probably, no doubt, felt the presence of the Lord when he was in the house. And there was a peace that would overcome them when he was there at the dinner table. So they wanted to have him stay as much as possible. They were comfortable with him being there and they were providing good service. And Elisha was comfortable with them as well. He enjoyed being in this home. And and he began to come and stay on his many journeys. And they got to know each other more and more. And he would stay in the house with his servant. And the relationship continued to grow and to blossom. And during one of his many visits, the prophet Elisha, in the house of this well-to-do woman and her husband, he felt the unction to speak a word of faith to her household. Elisha asked his traveling companion, Gehazi, to call the woman to his doorstep of his little apartment there in the Shunammite woman's home. He said, I want you to, Gehazi, I want you to call this woman to me. I want you to call her here to the doorstep. And as she came to the door, this began a conversation that would change the life of this woman and her husband forever. Elisha, the prophet, began by asking what she was in need of. Did she want him to put in a good word to the king or to the captain of the army? He said, what, what can I do for you? See, Elisha had a, a name, a reputation of his own. He was a powerful prophet. Many trusted his word and his prophecy. So he said, I, I can go to the king. I can go to the captain of the host. I can give them your name. And then everything from here on out will be taken care of for you. But remember, this Shunammite woman, she had everything that she needed. She was already well known in her community. So as she sat there, stood there rather, probably feeling flattered at the request, she answered back to the prophet and she thought for a moment, but she said, I, I don't really need anything. I've got everything that I need. You know anybody like that? People like that are hard to buy a gift for. How do you buy a gift for somebody around Christmas or your birthday when they have everything that they need? I mean, you, you can't figure it out. So that's, that's how she was. She had everything that she needed. She had all the money she needed. She had all the, the fame in the community. She had all the favors she needed with the king and with the captain of the host. Her family was well-to-do. They took care of her. They had servants. They had land. They had property. They had food on their table every day. They had everything that they needed. So she said, I, I can't think of anything, Elisha, that I need but I appreciate the request. I thank you for that, but I don't need anything. So as she walked back from the doorstep and 
left his presence. Elisha still felt compelled. He still felt compelled to bless her home. If you've ever been, uh, if you've ever been in somebody's house or been in the presence of someone who's extremely nice and they're taking care of you and they're giving you something or hospitality, you just want to give back. You just want to give back to them. So the prophet felt compelled. He said, I've got to do something for this lady. She's done all this for me. She's, man, a beautiful room, a beautiful bed, and feeding me this great food, and i got to do something for her. So he's scratching his head. He's thinking, how do, I, how do I give something to the lady that has it all? How do I bring something to this household that has everything? As he spent some time pondering this burden, Elisha asked again to his servant, Gehazi, he said, what is to be done for her? What can we do? What, what can we give the lady that has everything in the world? And Gehazi answered, Verily, she hath no child, and her husband is old. Aha! Elisha, it may have hit him like a ton of bricks. This house was immaculate. There was no finger stains on the, the windows. When he sat down and stuck his hand in the sofa underneath the cushion, he didn't feel Cheerios and gummy bears. He didn't hear the screams and the, the spankings. He didn't hear all the stuff in the house that, that a young child brings. So he thought, I thought this place was quiet. I thought this place was different. Of course. Of course. So Elisha, under the unction of the Spirit of God, called the lady back to him. When he called her, she stood in the door yet again, facing the prophet and his servant. And as she stood in the doorway, Elisha, with those powerful eyes filled with the Spirit of God, looked her in the eye and began to prophesy this powerful prophecy. He said, about this time next year, about this very time next year, you will hold a son in your arms. You're going to hold a baby in your arms. Now, nervously, her reaction here is very interesting. Nervously, she objected. She said, no, my Lord, please, man of God, don't mislead me. Don't lie to me. Has anybody ever felt that way? You've been in a powerful service. You've been praying for something, and you feel like God's moved upon you, and he's spoken to your heart, and he's given you a word. And for a moment, you want to believe it. But in the next moment, your flesh speaks up and says, don't believe it. Don't believe that because what if it doesn't happen? What if it doesn't come to pass? See, we're often guilty of guarding our hearts against these certain promises, against these things, because we don't want to be let down. So her reaction here is understandable. She says, don't lie to me. I'm warning you, don't tell me something false because I don't want to get my hopes up. But as he prophesied, He wouldn't back down. And it would be as the prophet spoke. And she became with child that very next year, about that same time, she gave birth to a son, just as the prophet had prophesied to her. This was a a miracle. This was an impossibility. There was no doubt that this was the hand of God. There was no doubt that the Lord had blessed this household. And through the prophet Elisha, he had done a great and mighty thing. We don't know how long, but some time had passed. 
Elisha continued his journeys, he continued his ministry. And the Shunammites woman and her, her husband, their miracle child, began to grow. And this baby grew to be a happy, healthy young boy, just as she had hoped, just as she had prayed for, as she had believed for, as she stood in the doorway of that prophet. And each and every day that she looked at this young boy, she was reminded of how good God is to his people. Every day she helped him with his homework. Every day she tucked him in at night before bed. Every day she spoke to him. She no doubt remembered that moment, that time that she stood in the doorway and Elisha had spoke to her. And there was something encouraging her in her spirit. She thought God can do anything. God can do the impossible. He's a prayer answering God. When we reflect back on those things God has done, what a faith lifter that is. Amen. When we just think back on the blessings and how God has healed us, how he's delivered us. She had received her promise, the promise that was believed for so earnestly, and she was grateful. And it was on a day, sometime as the child grew, that seemed just like any other day. The child was out with his father and was working in the field, but on this particular day, something just didn't seem right. Something seemed a little wrong. And in a panic, this young miracle boy, this child, of promise began to complain of, of headaches, some pain in his head. And it wasn't long until he could no longer function. The Bible says he lost all function in his body and he, he became limp. And the boy at the father's command was carried then to his mother. And as she looked out across the field, she saw a servant walking to her carrying this miracle child, carrying this boy that, that she had raised so far, that she had believed for so greatly. And as the servant handed the child to his mother, the unimaginable would happen. 2 Kings 4, 20 and 21 says, And when he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her knees until noon, and then he died. Tragically, he died. And the mother, the Shunammite woman, this well-to-do in her community, woman who had guarded herself but yet believed, she took this young miracle boy, she took him and laid him on the bed of the man of God up to that chamber that she had made, laid him there on that bed and shut the door and went out. This mother, the Shunammite woman, sat and watched as the promise she had prayed and hoped for, the promise that was finally granted after all these years, die there tragically in her arms, right there. As she gathered herself, she carried the lifeless body of this miracle boy up the stairs and laid him on the bed in Elisha's chamber. Her promise was now gone. You see, it's in moments like these, moments of sorrow and disappointment, moments of pain, that it's understandable to break down and to mourn and to, to cry. We've seen it. We've seen others who have gone through tragedy, others who have every reason to give up hope and stop believing. We've seen them in moments of helplessness and anger, and we understand the reasoning behind it. After all, in a similar situation, we would feel the same way. But something was different about this Shunammite woman. As she looked down at her now lifeless promise, she was overcome with a spirit of resolve and strength. 
She got up, wiped the tears from her face. She changed into her best clothes. She looked herself in the mirror and straightened her back. And she walked out, gathered herself, looked at her husband and said, Send me, I pray thee, one of the young men and one of the donkeys, that I may run to the man of God and come again. There was something in this woman. There was a seed of faith deep down that told her, it's not over yet. I know it looks like it in the moment. I know it seems like it in this season. But she gathered her things and knew exactly where she was headed. She was headed to remind the Lord of his promise. She was now preparing for the resurrection of the boy and not his burial. Her husband, in almost amazement at her attitude, asked her, he said, where are you going? Why today? Why in this moment have you decided to make this trip? It's neither new moon nor the Sabbath. Now is not the time. Now's not the appropriate time to take a trip. Now's not the appropriate time to get yourself together. You're supposed to be mourning. You're supposed to be acting a certain way. But then with a defiant faith, the Shunammite woman looked back at her husband and answered with this incredible statement. She said, it shall be well. In other words, I know it may not look like it today, but it shall be well. You may think we have no reason for hope in this moment and in this house, but it shall be well. I can't see into the future, but I know one thing, it shall be well. Why? Because I had a word from the Lord, because I received a promise from God, because I saw his hand, because I saw his miracles working in my life. So it's going to be all right. It's going to be okay. And God is not slack concerning his promises. I'm here to tell somebody that today. I'm here to tell somebody this. If he promised you something, he will deliver. God always delivers on his promises. Somebody needs today in this service to get an it shall be well attitude in your spirit. The situations around you, the circumstances, they may try and dictate our faith, but we've got to get that in our spirit. It doesn't matter what is going on around us. It doesn't matter what the evidence says. It shall be well. God is going to do what he said he would do. She instructed her servant. She said, I want you to drive as fast as you can. I want you to go forward. Slack not thy riding for me except I bid thee. We're not stopping at a rest area. We may be at half a tank, but we're not stopping to get any gas. We're just going to trust the Lord to get us there because I've got to get to the man of God. So they drove as fast as they could. She jumped on that chariot with the servant. She was making her way to Elisha. She was on a mission. As Elisha, on his journey, the Bible says from afar off, he and his servant, he could hear the hooves of, of horses running as fast as they could. He could see the chariot and the dust coming up in the distance. And he said, hey, I know who that is, I think. I recognize that lady. He said, that's the Shunammite woman. That's the lady who invited us in. He told his servant, he said, don't let her come any further. I want you to run out. I want you to meet her and ask her if she's okay. Because I could only imagine the look of panic that was on her face the look of frustration and, and anger and resolve. So Gehazi ran to the Shunammite woman. He said, are you all right? Is your husband okay? Is your child all right? How's the promise doing? How's that miracle working out for you? 
You ever been asked that? Hey, brother, sister, I saw you prayed last week, and God healed you. How's that back feeling? How's that headache? How's that sickness? And she, this, this, she never ceases to amaze me. She said here, her response to Gehazi, 2 Kings 4.26, when asked how was her son, she said, it is well. It is well. She didn't say, well, you're not going to believe what happened. You're not going to believe what is back in my house. You're not going to believe what's going on in that chamber where I, I made for you guys. No, she said, it is well. Because we've got to understand this. As soon as she reached the man of God, as soon as she went back into that presence, that familiar presence that she had felt around the table, that familiar presence that was up in the chamber of her house, as soon as she went back into that atmosphere, she went from it shall be well to it is well. It shall be well to it is well. Because when you make your way into his presence, everything changes. When you make your way into his presence, everything else just disappears. Some of us were barely holding on when we drove up into this parking lot this morning. But when we reached his presence, when we came into this house, when we heard the praise and worship, those familiar songs going up before the throne, we went from it might be okay, we went from I think it might be all right, to I think it is going to be okay. I believe God's going to do something for me. I've got a feeling everything's going to be okay. I got a feeling my prayer's going to be answered. I got a feeling my body's going to be healed. I got a feeling my finances are going to change. I got a feeling everything on the job is going to turn around. You may have had doubt when you walked into this house, but as soon as his presence came in the door, everything changed. Thank you, Jesus. I think we ought to give God a hand clap of praise. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So she looks to Elisha and she says, did I ask for a son? Did I ask for this, for this to be brought into my life? Didn't I tell you, don't raise my hopes? The child's mother said to the prophet, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. I'm not leaving your side. I'm not going anywhere until my promise is resurrected. When Elisha reached the house, there was the boy laying lifeless on his bed. Elisha went in and shut the door, just the two of them, and he prayed to the Lord. He prayed to God. Then he got out, got on the bed, lay on the boy, mouth to mouth, eyes to eyes, hands to hand. He stretched himself out over the boy's body, and the boy's body began to grow warm, miraculously. Elisha then turned away, walked back and forth in the room, and then got on the bed a second time, stretched out on him once more. The boy began to sneeze seven times, and miraculously, his eyes came back open. Elisha summoned Gehazi and said, Call again the Shunammite woman. She made her way up to that chamber made her way up to the room of the man of God, came in, fell at his feet, and bowed to the ground. And there she took her son, her promise that seemed like it had slipped away. She took her son in her arms and walked out. God had done the impossible. God had done the miraculous. The Shunammite woman in this story, I believe, represents many of us. 
Many of us in here today, I don't know your situation. I don't know your prayer life, but I know we all go through things. We all have our life story. We've prayed so earnestly for things. We believed for things, maybe even received them. And then life takes its toll, and much like the child in this story, we see our hopes, our dreams, and our miracles die. But like the woman, we've made our way to the place where promises are resurrected. Maybe you've been holding on and you've been telling yourself, it's going to be well. It's going to be all right. It's going to be okay. God's, God's going to do this. He's going to come through on his promises. Well, you've made your way to the place where those come to pass. You've made your way to the place where miracles happen. So I'm challenging us here today. It shall be well, and it is well. And I'm getting ready to close here if the musicians want to join. We need to get in it shall be well spirit and remind the Lord of his promises and pray he resurrects those lifeless promises in our life. It was 10 years ago, 10 or 11 years ago, my wife and I, I've never testified of this before. But we we had a, a child prematurely. And it was the most traumatic thing we've ever experienced in our life. Everything was fine up until that moment. We had prayed for this child. We had believed for him. And um, I remember my dad assured me, hey, everything's going to be okay with this baby. We prayed. We believed. And it was on a day just like any other day that my wife went into labor. We took her to the hospital. And there she gave birth to a promise, a miracle. And he lived for just a few hours. We held him in our, our arms and our hands. And we watched him slip away from us so tragically. And the days following that were tough days. They were hard days. There were days we questioned. I know I did. I would drive down the road questioning, do you hear my prayers? God, do you hear it? And not in a disrespectful way. Please understand me. I, I never once turned my back or got angry, but I, I had questions. But there were days my wife and I had to get up out of bed, put our Sunday suit on, look at each other and say, it shall be well. And there were days we didn't feel like it. There were days we didn't feel like coming to church. We didn't feel like making our way. and We didn't feel like getting up out of bed. and We didn't want to hear about other people's blessings. We didn't want to hear about other people's answered prayers. You know, we're, we're thankful for it, but we don't want to hear about it, you know. <laughs> but there were times we had to just a lot of days, and even still, some days, these days, you know, those things never go away. Where you have to just grab her hand and say, it shall be well. It shall be well. But, you know, it's amazing when we make our way into his presence. And it's amazing when we come to the place where miracles happen. We can be in the worst life situation. We can be in the worst mood. We can be down and out. But there's something about making your way back to his presence. Where you go from an it shall be well to you know what? It is well. 
It is well. I don't understand how it's going to work out. I don't understand how it's going to happen, but God is going to do the miraculous. I don't understand how the promise is going to come to pass, but his promises are true. Hebrews 10 and 23 says, let us hold fast to the profession of our faith without wavering for he is faithful that promised. He is faithful that promised. Numbers 23 and 19 says, God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken and shall he not make it good? God cannot lie. God cannot make a promise to us and it not come to pass. Like the Shunammite woman that stood there in the doorway who was so afraid of that promise, so afraid of that miracle. God gave her a promise. God gave her a miracle. And because he is a God who cannot lie, because he is a God who cannot slack on his promises, that promise was always going to be there. That promise was always going to come to pass. So I'm here to tell somebody today, it is well. It is well. It's going to be all right. You may not see it in the moment. You may not understand it from where you're sitting. You may not understand it because of your family situation and the dynamic there, but it shall be well and it is well. If you stand with me this morning. As we come to a close, whatever you're comfortable with, if you'd like to come forward and get prayer, if you'd like to get prayed for where you're at, whatever you're comfortable with, I want to, I want to invite you to pray here with us this moment. No matter where you find yourself at in life, no matter what you're going through, God wants to do something special in this place. God wants to bring encouragement to somebody. God wants to bring healing to somebody. In Jesus' name, would you just lift your hands and begin to pray? Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I pray for these precious people here today. God, you know every situation. You know every circumstance, God. You know every doubt and every fear in every heart. You know every physical challenge, every emotional challenge. Whatever the situation is, God, you can do it. You can do the miraculous. God, your promises are true. Your promises are true. So, God, we're asking right now that you would do a miracle in somebody's life. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on, somebody. It's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. I pray for hope in this place. I pray for encouragement in this place. I proclaim it right now in Jesus' name. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.